unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. What is Jesus talking about now? Scribes and the Pharisees were the faithful folk of Jesus' day. They were the good people. They knew the law and they kept it. What does Jesus mean? What does Isaiah mean when he is addressing with pretty harsh words this day a people who keep the fasts and all the observances they were commanded to keep? Jesus' audience was likely mostly made up of a crowd of country bumpkins and peasants at the lowest end of their society. Isaiah is addressing people who are probably at the upper end of their society, at least in terms of the religion. Yet both seem to be saying the same thing. What are they on about? I would say they are addressing the sin of what I would call religiosity. Religiosity. This idea of sense of if I have my piety correct, then I'm okay with God and everybody else. To be a little bit critical of our own culture for a minute, it's kind of like the spiritual but not religious thing we hear about a lot. It's between me and God. And if you think we don't suffer from religiosity in the Episcopal Church, because we all know better, think again. Think again. Think of how often we are tempted to consider our religion as private and how often we don't want to interfere in other people's religious faith. Our religiosity is about keeping the institution together as we see it ought to be kept together. And that's about the extent of it. If someone were to ask you, what does it mean to lead a Christian life? What would you tell them? What would you tell them? Is keeping the Ten Commandments enough? The truth of the matter is most of us are pretty good about keeping most of the Ten Commandments most of the time. Is that all that Jesus wants of us? I don't think so. That's what he's saying today. It is not enough to lead lives filled with piety and religiosity. And if you think you can flee to the secular world to get out of religiosity, guess again. There's a secular religiosity too. Just do what we do in the Helmer household every evening these days, and that's turn on the TV in the evening and watch the Olympics. There you see secular religiosity writ large. And ours goes something like this. Look at this incredible achiever who is doing these amazing things. How hard he or she has worked. Isn't it extraordinary and inspiring? That's our religiosity. It's the celebrity culture. 
Because you see, the truth of the matter is, behind each and every one of those athletes are dozens, if not hundreds, of people who have been the light for them, who have been salt for them, who have picked them up when they have fallen down, who have supported them through thick and thin, who have encouraged them and coached them. You're not just seeing one person compete in an event. You are seeing the achievement and efforts of many, many people. But our religiosity, you see, blinds us to that reality. Isaiah and Jesus call us back to true religion and back to what that word really means. Religion means to relink, to rebind, to bring back together the fabric of not just our relationship with God, but the fabric of human relationship. To set aside, as Isaiah says, the pointing of the finger and all of the things that we use to lord it over each other in that false religiosity that Jesus sometimes defines as hypocrisy. And we are all tarred by that same brush. But Jesus calls us out of that today, not saying to us, become the light, or become the salt of the earth, but by saying, you are the light. You are the salt of the earth. And I say that because my religiosity is about self-perfection and self-improvement. How about yours? Yeah? When I get it right, then people and God and Jesus will love me. And as I'm fond of saying, so how's that working for you? Jesus says, you are the light. Without any self-improvement or self-perfection, without any show of piety, you are the light. You are the salt of the earth. Because for Jesus, the salt is what you might call the gold of the gospel. Because what do you do with salt? You put it into food to draw out flavor. You use it to preserve things. In Jesus' world, you rely on it for life itself. And it only takes a little bit. But it only works, you see, when you add it and you allow it to dissolve and move out into the things you wish to flavor and bring life to. We are called out of a sense of religiosity and into the true religion, which draws us out into the world so that we may be light, so that we may be salt, so that we may offer ourselves, as we say on a regular basis, as a holy offering. Not because we are righteous, not because we are pious, but because we embody and carry a message that the world desperately needs to hear. 
And the true religion is when we engage in that work that brings God and the world back together, back to wholeness. Where the fabric of people's lives are knitted back together. Where there is healing and reconciliation. Where there is hope over despair. Imagine how Jesus' first audience heard those words when they had been told over and over again by the religious authorities in their society that they were worth nothing. They had no value. And then along comes someone who says, You are the light. You are the light of the kingdom of heaven. Imagine how that struck them. And then imagine what it means if Jesus tells you that. Will you believe it? Even for just a moment. What will change for you? What would change for us? This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.